Everybody, welcome home. Welcome to Northridge Church. And man, it's a good day. It's Father's Day. Come on, can we give it up for the dads? Woohoo! Yeah, and today, fathers, I'm hoping of two things. I'm hoping that you are reminded of how valuable that you are and the responsibility that you carry. And so happy Father's Day to you. And I know because I am a man that every uh, man is just basically loved through their stomach. And so good news, fathers, we have root beer floats for you guys, right? <laughs> just for everybody's, I said root beer floats, everyone, okay? <laughs> just, I'm just messing with you. Anyway, welcome to Northridge Church. Hey, if you got your Bibles, I'm going to take you to a unique place this morning. We go to the book of Haggai, Haggai chapter one. Listen, there will be no judgment if you use your phone today to find Haggai chapter one. And let me just kind of catch everybody up as we, we turn our Bibles there. Is If you haven't been with us over the last five weeks, we've been in this series where we've been looking at the areas of our life that we don't see clearly anymore. Where we're looking at the areas of our life that we, we become blind to because they're so normal, they're so regularly practiced that, that we don't even notice anymore that they actually live in rebellion to God. What we call them is subtle sins. Subtle sins of society. And we've talked about a bunch of them already. We talked about the subtle sin of comfort, of comparison, gossip, and busyness. And today we're gonna continue in that series with the subtle sin of consumerism, the sin of constantly, over and over again, of consuming and consuming and consuming. What is consumerism? Well, it's really just our selfish desire to get and take rather than to give. It's taking the things of God and making them about us. It's thinking completely about you and nobody else. Consumerism is pursuing pleasure over the things of God. And at the end of the day, when we step into this subtle sin, here's what consumerism says. Consumerism says, this is all about me. Right? You take everything in your life and you realize that it should revolve around you from your relationships with your spouse or your friends or your family, from your future, your career, your business, your work, from all the things in your life. And you say, this, this is about me. And let's be real. We all struggle with this. We are all prone to selfishness. And I don't have to use your life. I can just use my life to prove it. Because here's the reality of my week, right? Tuesday was my birthday. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hey, listen, if you didn't wish me happy birthday, it's okay. I'm still collecting gifts, so you got plenty of time, okay? No worries. But you know, on birthdays, right, like birthday is the one day it's supposed to be all about you, right? It's like a celebration of your life. And so, you know, I woke up Tuesday morning, it was my birthday, and I'm like, boom, baby, today is going to be a good day. You don't know why? It's my birthday. I have a good day, I'm going to go to work, and then I'm going to come home, my kids are going to celebrate me, my wife's going to have an amazing meal ready for me. Whoo, can't wait. So I went to work, I came home, my kids weren't there. My wife didn't feel good. She's taking a nap. I'm like, what the heck is this? Okay, guys, we can rebound from this, okay? And my wife woke up. I'm like, hey, baby, it's my birthday. And she's like, hey, I know it's your birthday. I got to go get the kids. Can you make dinner? <laughs> what? what do you mean, can I make dinner? It's my birthday, babe. And I made dinner on my birthday. And can I be real for a second? I was crushed. I was hurt. You can see my wife in the lobby afterwards. Let her know. No, and honestly, the reality is it's because it was all about me. 
And that's how we live our lives. We don't like to admit it. We don't see it clearly. But honestly, we think the world revolves around us. In fact, we see this in our culture everywhere. I'll just give you one day. Black Friday, right? A day where we get to splurge on us. Do you realize this this last year, according to Salesforce Inc., on Black Friday, Americans spent $17.2 billion consuming, taking, and getting. And this isn't a new problem, right? This is an ancient problem. This is a problem that happened thousands of years ago. In fact, the prophet Haggai is going to address this subtle sin of consumerism with the nation of Israel. But in order to understand what's happening in Haggai chapter 1, we have to, let me just give you a little background. You see, in the Old Testament, God was establishing his nation, the nation of Israel. And it really started with Moses. Moses delivering the nation of Israel out of bondage, out of slavery from the, the empire of the Egyptians. And then Moses leads the nation of Israel. They grow in population. He brings laws. And he's ultimately leading them to the promised land. That's where Joshua takes over and leads the nation of Israel to the promised land. We know it as Israel. And so they they begin to become a nation. And then over time, God brings kings to rule over them. King David and King Solomon. And King David paves the way King Solomon builds one of the most important pieces of the nation of Israel. It was called the temple. And what was so significant about the temple for the nation of Israel was it was literally God's home. It's where his presence dwelt, right at the temple. And so it gets all established, and eventually what happens? The nation of Israel begins to reject God, walk away from his ways. And so guess what God does? He removes his protection from them, and they're conquered by the Babylonians. The temple in all of Israel is destroyed, and the the nation of Israel is actually exiled out of their home to the Babylonian Empire. Years go by, King Cyrus comes, and he conquers the Babylonians, and he gives the nation of Israel freedom to go back to their home. And so they go back to their home, and they begin to rebuild their houses and their community. And 18 years of rebuilding is where we pick up the story of the prophet Haggai. Let's look at what he says. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Now, in order to understand this text, you have to understand the Old Testament a little bit. You see, in the Old Testament, there were two major leadership roles. There was a priest, and then there was a prophet. They both had very unique roles. You see, the prophet, who is Haggai, he was a prophet. His job was to hear from God and then speak to the people about what God said. That's what a prophet did. Now, a priest, on the other hand, had a different job. The priest actually was to go to God on behalf of the people. And so here, Haggai, the prophet, is hearing from God and addressing the nation of Israel. And here's the problem. For 18 years... They had rebuilt Israel. They had rebuilt their homes. They had rebuilt their community. They forgot something. The temple, God's house, still laid in ruins. And God wasn't happy about that. In fact, look, he continues. He says, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, my temple, remains a ruin? You see, you got to understand this. One of the major differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament is God's dwelling place, right? In this time frame, in the Old Testament, right, the dwelling place of God was the temple. 
His literal, like God's literal presence dwelt in that place. But what's unique about the New Testament is God's house changes. He goes from a temple building to you and I and our bodies, our hearts. In fact, look what Paul says about this. He says, do you not know that your bodies are what? They're the temple. They're the temple of God himself, the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Here's the amazing thing about today is we don't have to go to some church building to experience God's presence. It lives in us. Like, we are the temple now. We're the building that the Old Testament people, Judaism, the most important sacred place was the temple. You're that now if you know Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. But the problem here in the Old Testament is Haggai is looking at the nation of Israel, and he says, you've got your priorities wrong. You're living in your paneled houses. You want me to just give you the modern-day translation to that? Shiplap houses? Okay, he's like, you have decorated your houses, you've built all the things that you desire and you want, and you've neglected my house. You've neglected the most important piece. And church, can I be honest, how often do we fall into that same trap today, where we build our kingdoms and we neglect God's? We chase after our desires. We're so busy consuming the things of this world at the expense of the things of God. We're chasing the next upgrade or the next building or the next whatever it is, and we completely forget about God's house. So look what the prophet says to the nation of Israel. He says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Remember these words. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put clothes on, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. The prophet says to the nation of Israel, he says, you, you might want to think about how you're living. You might want to give careful thought to your ways. And, and don't miss this. Don't, don't, don't misinterpret this. God is not saying to the nation of Israel, they have too much. He's asking them, when will enough be enough? When, Israel, will you be satisfied with what I gave you? And, and Haggai is teaching the nation of Israel and, and really reminding us thousands of years later that being a consumer never brings lasting satisfaction. I can't say that word. You'll never be satisfied. I did that that first service. Something's wrong with me, I think. Right? When we consume and we consume and we consume, we hope that it will satisfy, fulfill us. And Haggai says it's not going to. You're going to feel empty. And he, he uses this illustration, okay? He uses this illustration of a purse. Okay, so here's what I did. I, I, I had uh, my assistant go on this journey for like the most manly purse she could find. So we're going to say this is a purse today, not a purse, Okay? All right, and here's what he says the imagery of consumers look like, right? You, you got your purse, and you're, you walk around, and you've got all the money in the world, and you're like, I'm going to have a, a good day today, and everything's good, and all of a sudden, you're like, wait, wait, I have all that I want, but why don't I feel satisfied? And, and most of us have, have felt this way in life, right? We, we go about life, we have all the things we need, but yet there's still an emptiness in us. And so guess what we do? Out of that emptiness, we, we go back to things. And we're like, you know what? You know what, you know what make me feel better? 
Let's just do an addition. Yeah, let's, uh, I need more income. That will satisfy me. You know what? Let's have some kids. Let's build our family. Let's upgrade our iPhone. And we keep bringing these things in, and we're like, man, this is going to be it. But why does it never seem to work? Right? Look what God says to the nation of Israel. He says, you've harvested a lot, but you have little. You eat, but you're never full. You put clothes on, but you're never warm because you have a purse full of money and yet you're never satisfied, right? That's what consumerism does is it teaches us that the next thing will fulfill you, but it never does, right? Think about our lives today. Maybe God's asking us the same question. When will enough be enough? Right? We, we were like, oh, I don't have that much. Well, what if you ask someone from a third world country to come look at your closet or your garage? Do you think they would say you have enough? Like we have media options out the wazoo, right? TV channels and shows. You know, we think like, oh, if I just made a little bit more, then I will be happy. I will be fulfilled, satisfied. But the stats show that's not true. According to research, a person who makes $100,000 a year is no more happy from a day-to-day perspective than someone making $75,000. God looks at the nation of Israel and says, when will enough be enough? And look what he says again. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Examine how you're living. And that might be something we want to do in America to to examine how we are living our ways. And the only way I know to do that in my life is to ask pointed questions, to really examine our life. And the first question I would ask all of us is, are you satisfied? And before you like rush to answer that question, do you find yourself like most of us scrolling through Amazon or your favorite place to shop or that thing you want, do you find yourself constantly wanting more? And secretly that more is in this endless pursuit to find something that will satisfy you. Chasing after satisfaction. My, there it is again. (laughs) Lord, help me. Good night. Chasing after fulfillment. We're going to go with fulfillment. That seems to always leave you. Like the word I don't want to say is leaving me. It's not funny, okay? I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. That something outside of this world is the only thing that can satisfy me. Can I ask you, are you satisfied? Are you content or are you constantly looking for more? The second pointed question I would love to ask us is, have you made life all about you? Like when you think about your life and the things in it from your relationships to your career, to your future, to your family, all those things, do they just exist to bring your life happiness and fulfillment? Is your marriage just there to to, to make you feel good? Are your friendships all about you? Do you just show up to church and hear good worship and a message so, so, so it can be about you and what you need? Is your business and your coworkers just there to make you a prophet? 
on your day off, when you have free time in your calendar, is it all about you time? Right? The reality is, is we all struggle with this. We are all prone to self. So how do we overcome consumerism? I'll give you two ways today. The first way is we have to learn to find our fulfillment in the proper place. You can put fulfillment in there. We gotta find our purpose in the proper place. Here's what I know about every single one of us. I believe every single one of us has this desire in our heart for more. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually think it's a God-given thing. You see, when God created you, the Bible says in Genesis that he created you in his own image. And I believe the image of God that we all carry as human beings creates this craving, this desire for more. The problem is we take that desire and that craving to all the wrong places. We take it to everything in this world, from relationships to pleasure to comfort to, to anything and everything. And we hope that something in this world will, will satisfy, will bring fulfillment and purpose to this longing I've been created with. And it never works. Nothing in this world truly satisfies and here's what I know from my life and your life. Unless you're consumed with God, you'll be consumed with yourself. We are all prone to selfishness. That's how we were born, in sin, thinking about ourselves. And what we have to learn today as we walk with Christ is we have to allow him to strip us of that. John the Baptist said it best. He says, less of me and more of God. That's the solution. To, to rid me of self, I have to create room for God. You know, last week I was so convicted. I literally was sitting in the auditorium listening to Nate Miller preach on busyness. And I was like, that's me. My schedule is so full at the expense of some of the best things in life. And sometimes we gotta clear the chaoticness. We gotta give up the Netflix show or the me time or golfing on the weekends or shopping or whatever it is that you fill your calendar with. And we have to create room for God. The, the scriptures say, be still. And in that stillness, guess what, guess what you know? Be still and you will know he is God. You understand who he is. I love what Mark says. He says, what good is it for someone to gain everything the world has to offer. Riches and fame and glory and splendor. A large house. Gain everything. And never be satisfied. Never find fulfillment. Forfeit your soul. At the root of consumerism is we don't know where true fulfillment comes from. Right? Look what Tim Keller says. He says, if grace... If Jesus' grace has really changed our hearts, we don't ultimately care if life goes the way we want as long as we have Jesus. The joy of acclaim or wealth or power, they're nothing compared to the eternal acclaim and wealth and power we have in Jesus. To find purpose and fulfillment in Him the second step to overcome consumerism is we got to learn and choose to contribute. 
to stop thinking about ourselves so much and start thinking about others. You know what I love about the, the ending of Haggai, right? Haggai comes to the nation of Israel and says, you, you guys are consumers. And you're focused on you. You've neglected God's house. And he says, over and over again, he says, give careful thought to your ways. And here's the problem I, I find in my life and so many Christians' life is we show up on a Sunday, we hear a good message. We might even say to the, whoever is preaching, that was for me, that was for me. Man, I, I got so much to think about. And here's what we do. We think about it and we think about it and we never really do anything about it, right? We never really change. I needed that, but not enough to actually change some things about my life. Until next Sunday, I'm convicted again. Notice God doesn't say to the nation of Israel, hey, think about your life. And at some point, hopefully you change. No, he says, give careful thought to your ways. Look at the solution. He says, go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure and, and be honored, says the Lord. He says, I'm not gonna let you think and think and think. He says, you get up on the mountain. You cut some trees down and start building my house. And Christians today, we gotta stop thinking and we gotta start acting on what God has told us to do. We can't stop. We gotta stop being consumers and start contributing by loving your community group, by serving a student in NYM, by serving kids in our kids ministry, using the gifts God has given you. And like right now in our church, we're at a beautiful place for you to actually become a contributor. Because we're getting ready to launch a, a brand new campus. In September, we're gonna have another campus, another missional outpost to saturate Rochester with the gospel in Brighton. That's what we want. That's our vision, right? We want to see the, the gospel of Jesus take root in our area. And here's what I know. When we launch a campus, there's a lot of contributors here at our other campuses that are going to leave here and go contribute there. And you know what that does is it creates holes. It creates gaps in our church for consumers to start become contributors, to use the gifts. Here's what I know. I played sports all my life. The view from the sidelines is pretty good, but it's so much sweeter when you get into the game. And you feel the sweat and the rush of being a part of something, not just going to something. And I would challenge you today, I'd ask you, are you a consumer or are you a contributor? What are you willing to give up to give to somebody else? Maybe it's as simple as giving up an hour of sleep to serve somebody in the church, giving up golfing on the weekend to invest in your kids, giving up, spending your money on new clothes to, to serve the homeless or a beyond partner, right? To contribute. Maybe you're here today and, and you say, man, that's me, Drew. I've consumed long enough. It's time for me to get in the game to contribute. I would just challenge you to go to a simple web browser. It's iwant.info. It's kind of our central hub here at Northridge Church. And if that's you, you just put that Right in your web browser, it'll take you to a banner that says, I want to contribute. You just fill out that information. Tell us some areas that you're interested in and we'll help you. Here's what I promise to you. You're not signing your life away. We're not going to immediately expect you to show up every single Sunday and give your entire life up. Well, go at your pace. Maybe it's start just once a month. Maybe it's every other week. Hey, we will work within the boundaries of you contributing here or somewhere else. But let me leave you with the words Haggai heard from God to the nation of Israel. Haggai says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Are you satisfied? 
Do you have enough? Are you consuming or are you contributing? Let's pray together. Father, it's so easy in our culture and in our world to just be consumers. I mean, every marketing scheme out there, every commercial is all about us consuming and wanting more. But God, in, in spite of the direction our culture is going, help us to go a different direction. Help us to live according to your will and your way. God, I pray that we would all be contributors to your kingdom, that we would put your kingdom first above our own. In Jesus' name, amen.